Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is today's Bible class. Today's Bible class is designed especially for our podcast listeners, and it's a short, about a 12-minute Bible study each day to help keep us focused on our spiritual lives and our relationship with God, to help keep our minds in God's Word and thereby better equip us with a better mindset to take on the day whatever the day might throw at us. Now, we encourage you to share these short studies, about 12 minutes each day again, with all of the people you can around you. In sharing, you may help somebody start to focus on their spiritual life, on their relationship with God, on the way that their life is going. You may help even get them on the path toward heaven and eternal life. So think what a great impact you could have on the people around you just by sharing these short studies with them. Now you can do that through Facebook friends, you can do that through text messages, maybe some other technological means that you have access to. But do purposely and purposefully share with your friends, your family members, your work associates, your neighbors, anybody and everybody. You may help somebody again get to heaven. In a previous study, we were talking about sin. We were talking about the consequences of sin, the gravity of sin, the ultimate worst state that man can be in, and that is a sinful lifestyle. When we talked about what is the the biggest problem facing mankind today, we emphasize that it's not famine, it's not global warming or climate change or wars or violence or anything else that you normally would hear thrown at you or offered as possibilities through news media or writings or somebody just talking to you in the street. No, the greatest problem facing mankind is sin. Sin. Well, how do we get rid of sin in our lives? The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now there's both ends of the spectrum. We're talking about exact opposites. One is death, and we're not talking about just physical death. We're talking about eternal death or eternal condemnation in hell for our souls. The other end of the spectrum, or the exact opposite, is eternal life with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven. So one is obviously horrible. The other one is, whoa, what is the most tremendous blessing that we could actually, that we could ever hope for? Which one do you want to be your ultimate destiny? Which end of the spectrum do you want to be on? Do you want to look forward only to eternal condemnation? Or do you want to look to the eternal rewards of the blessedness of being in heaven with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. Well, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? (laughs) Who would not say, I want heaven. I want eternal life with, with God, all of the angels, all of the redeemed, all of the saved. Who in the world would say, oh, no, I'd rather be in hell forever with the devil himself. I'd rather be in eternal torments and condemnation cut off from God and his glory. Now, 
It's easy to choose, isn't it? We want to be in heaven. Well, how do we get rid of our sin? How do we become forgiven? We can look at some passages of scripture that are very clear-cut, very straightforward, such as in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, when Peter and the rest of the apostles were preaching on Pentecost as the church came into existence, they were asked, what shall we do? Verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. And Peter responded and said in verse 38, repent, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the remission of sins simply means for the forgiveness of sins. Now, translation after translation after translation of the scriptures are very direct and straightforward in how the literature, or rather how the language from the original Greek is supposed to be translated in that particular passage. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins can be forgiven. In Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, again very straightforward, a man named Ananias, a Christian, was sent by the Lord himself to teach another man, Saul of Tarsus. And he came to him and said, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Well, again, it's difficult to not understand what those verses are saying. They're very clear cut. They're very straightforward, down to earth, easy to understand. Baptism is that particular point or avenue through which that act of obedience through which the blood that Jesus shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. So we get rid of our sins by being baptized. And when we're baptized, we're told that that's into Christ as well. Romans 6 and verse 3 and Galatians 3 and verse 27. But you see, bottom line for us is we want to be on the right end of the spectrum. We want heaven to be our eternal destiny. We don't want to be on the opposite end of the spectrum where eternal condemnation in hell is all that we can look forward to because we've never been forgiven of our sins. So forgiveness comes at the point of and through baptism. Now again, God is the one who forgives, but this is an act of obedience which he requires of us that through which again, then he will forgive us and count us forgiven and righteous through the blood of Christ. Nearly all groups in the general term Christendom or all churches or religious groups that consider themselves Christians, and I use that term in quotes because it's somewhat qualified, nearly all such groups require some kind of baptism for full membership within those particular religious groups. Now there's wide variation, however, among churches regarding various aspects related to baptism. But all agree, all of them agree, that the Bible includes baptism in the teaching and practice of the church. What a blessing it would be to all mankind everywhere, everybody alive in all the world, in every generation, if all of us could agree 
on what the scriptures really teach on baptism. If all could speak the same thing, all of these religious groups would teach the same thing doctrinally as to every aspect of Christianity, and particularly because we're focusing in on baptism at this time, that's how we come to forgiveness through Jesus Christ. If we could all speak the same thing and have no divisions among us on this very vital and foundational and central topic of Christianity. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10 along this very concept or principle of unity. He said, I urge you, he's writing to the church at Corinth, and they had some real problems with disunity in the congregation there. And so he says, I plead with you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment." Now, if you really stop and look at that verse of Scripture and what Paul said there in a very close fashion, he's usually, he, he actually uses five expressions there to emphasize the unity that he is exhorting and admonishing that congregation. And, of course, it's not just for them. It's inspired Scripture, for it, so it's for us as well today. The unity, the depth of unity that he is teaching that we need to have as Christians as true Christians. He said, speak the same thing, no divisions among you, be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now that's absolute unity, absolute unity. Well, we need to understand then what the scriptures really teach on baptism. This unity is desirable because Jesus prayed for this unity on the night of his betrayal. You see, Jesus did not come teaching a gospel that is open to all kinds of various interpretations that are confusing to different people who are listening to those various interpretations. No, he came preaching and teaching a basic, simply understood message of salvation. That's what the gospel is. In John chapter 17 and verse 17, Jesus prayed to the Father and he said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now what does he mean by that truth then? His word, God's word is truth. And in the 20th and 21st verses of that same chapter, that same prayer, he said, I do not pray for these alone, that is for the apostles alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now that would be us today, Christians, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. In saying that they all may be one, he's talking about united. And to what degree, to what depth of unity? As you, Father, are in me and I in you, there is absolutely no disunity between God the Father and God the Son. Again, we're talking about the absolute unity that Paul taught 
the Corinthian congregation in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. We are to be together of the same mind when it comes to the doctrines, to the teachings of Christianity. Well, we kind of laid a foundation here. We're going to come back and continue this study next time. Let's pray together. Father, please help us to understand the truth of your word, to understand it clearly, to not distort it in any way, and to simply submit our will to your will communicated through the truth of your word. Please guide us in this, Father. Please forgive us. This is our prayer, dear Father, in your Son's name. Amen.